Hello and welcome to Even the Trunchbull, our show about children's books and why we still love them as adults. She's Nina. They're Matt. And we think that children's books are for everyone because we've all been kids. Even, Even the, the Trunchbull. Trunchbull. They're all mistakes, children. Cooking nasty things. Glad I never was one. Even the Trunchbull from Roald Dahl's beloved Matilda, despite her protestations. Each episode, we'll be reviewing one picture book and one chapter book. We're starting off with the books that we read as kids, but if you've got a book you'd like us to review, especially if you are currently a kid, please get in touch. You can email us on eventhetrunchbull at gmail.com or catch us on Twitter at trunchbullpod. This week, we're reading Do Is Dak by Carson Ellis and The Giants and the Joneses by Julia Donaldson, which both feature brilliant made-up languages. Let's kick things off by reading the first few pages of Do Is Dak to get a feel for the language. Do Is Dak? Manazut. Tata! Do Is Dak? Ma ebedao unk plonk? Do kema plonk? Manazut. Ru bada unk ribble? Su. So, <laughs> that's the insect language. Very uh, well read. Thank you. I've practiced. Um, so, I discovered this book when my mum, who's trying to break into literary translation, was given it as a task on a workshop. So, they gave all these translators just the text of this book and not the pictures and had them try to guess what language it was. What do you think of it? It's really, really interesting. I think when I first read it, which was with you mm -hmm. uh, the other week, like I didn't understand the language at first. And Were then, you able to follow the story? Just about, but again, maybe on first reading, mm. not quite. But, but no, but it's it's really interesting because it is that it's that kind of like bilingual experience. Yeah. It's much more plasticity do. around language in kids' brains, definitely yeah, before yeah. the age of six. I guess because you haven't learned the rules around exactly, that communication exactly. structure yet. And I think when, once you get past six, you get really attached to the syntax of your own language, I think mainly more than the sounds and the words. Right. You get used to... Word order. And I think this book really makes room for that. So it, on first reading, it looks really obscure, but actually the word order, the sounds are all very English. Like yeah. there's capitalization for names and the verbs go in the same place. Actually, I think it's... This is why it needed to be translated into other languages, is they needed to make up other made-up words that Yeah, because you, you said this, that this yeah. is the English version yeah. of insect language, and yeah. then there are other, which is really, really interesting. I mean, it reads quite German to me. It's quite Germanic. Yeah, in the sounds, but um, in the syntax, it's very English. Yeah, that's true, actually. That's true. So they'd have to move the words around to make it feel German to a German yeah. kid. Because once we went through it, so we read through it a second time, and it's like, yeah, okay, cool, yeah, that makes sense, and you can you can kind of figure it out. I think it really bears a lot of repetition reading. Like, if you had it with yeah. a little kid and you went over it over and over again, I think that's really where it would shine. As a one-off, I think it's difficult. And there's a lot of repetition, so the vocabulary of the insect is not that big, and you see most words several times. Uh, I've just clocked his little... It's yeah. very, very re-readable. Literally every time yeah. I've read this book. So yeah, so the first time I was like, okay, cool, nice pictures, don't really know what's going on. Um, and then reading through again, because oh, okay, cool, got the language. Just reading it now, because this butterfly appears right at the end. The butterfly's there the whole time. It's just yeah. this little cocoon. And the first page, you've got this little... Caterpillar, caterpillar saying, ta-ta. Ta-ta, which is goodbye. <laughs> yeah. And then it's just there in a cocoon throughout the whole... In every picture, 
it's just there. Yeah, and I totally missed it. <laughs> oh, that's really sweet. And the, I mean, the pictures are beautiful. Yeah. Just sort of like mix of kind of collage and drawing. So the first page is a little dragonfly with a walking cane pointing at a sprout that's sprouting out of the ground. Uh, another little dragonfly with a handbag with a hand over the mouth. So it, it, yeah. you get the body language of, oh, yeah. what's that? Oh, I don't know. I also like that there are a lot of pages with no words at all. That time I watched you read it, you actually stopped short at the end because it had run out of words, but there were like three or four more pages of drawings. Yeah, yeah. In which like yeah. everything's died and then starts to yeah. grow again. Makes sense it being yeah. insects as well, yeah. right? I'm thinking because it's it's about noticing things that you wouldn't notice at first. Mm. Little little things close to the ground and the fact that loads and loads is happening that you don't you have to look closely to see. It's very simple, but like as you say, like the more you read it, the more mm. kind of little things there are to notice that again maybe kids would kind of yeah. notice much yeah. quicker than a silly adult would. And I think the the language is very appealing to me, like the silly sounds, like that a terrible spider is a booby voobeck. It sounds great, doesn't <laughs> yeah. it? It's very onomatopoeic. Yeah. It's like or like a wonderful flower is a scrivadelli gladenboot. Yeah, which is just <laughs> yeah. lovely to say. Yeah. Lovely to hear. Yeah. And again, the repetition. Mm. Yeah, um, a child could read this to themselves after a few reads. The, there's a flower which wasn't there before. Yeah. And then the word gladenboot is there like 18 times. Yeah. <laughs> Unk gladenboot is Unk gladenboot. Unk gladenboot. Unk scrivadelli gladenboot. Ah, Unk gladenboot. Is taco glad and boot? Unk glad and boot. It's not 18 times, it's like seven. It's a times. lot. There's yeah. probably about 20 words in the whole thing. In it's actually, way. and it's a really fun way of, because yeah. that's, I mean, I guess like the point at which I learned languages in school is past the point of like brain malleability that we've been talking mm. about. So it's kind of slightly more frustrating anyway, maybe. But one of the like most tedious bits potentially was that repetition. Yeah. And this is like, this makes that really fun. Yeah. Well, I guess because it's got so many characters. Yes. Like, <laughs> and so. so many like fun sounds to make. Yeah. Yeah. And it's for an age of child where you're really into repetition anyway. Sure. Yeah. You yeah. know, like two, three, four year olds will read the same book over and over and over and over again. And often I think that's really tedious for the adult, but I think this has been written completely expecting to be reread a thousand times. And what do you think of this book as a poet? Because Carson Ellis is a poet. That makes sense. It's got the playfulness of poetry. Yeah, yeah and the sort of circling around mm. one topic and like a focus on the small things. I think that's what poetry does really well and what, what poets are often quite good at. I mean, I remember when I was a kid reading books, I really loved the made-up language. Yeah. See, that's something that I got turned on to much later with A Clockwork Orange. It's Anthony Burgess has kind of invented this whole like lingo edging on language that this sort of like anglo-russian mix mm. and i read that when i was about 16 and it's kind of a real struggle at first and then you like slip into knowing what those words mm. mean in context and it becomes like you kind of learn that language as you go through it so i guess that was my introduction to I mean, what age would you say this is for? Oh, it's dead little, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, three, four. Yeah, like or it's... even younger, I'd go like two. Yeah. yeah. Do you 
just the story of the year going past with yeah. you know the caterpillar and the plants coming out of the ground and then flowering and then dying yeah. and then there's nothing and then the sprouts come up again it's very much about the turning of the seasons which you know when you're two a year is a really yeah, long time it's like half your life. so it sort of condenses that year into just this really short picture book mm. what i quite like as well i'm just thinking now it's really interesting that there, there isn't any background to the pages. They're just white pages. And then, as I say, like it's drawings, but it has this feel of collage because it's kind of yeah. just like stuck on. But everything's in the foreground. But you get that sense of the seasons through levels of action in the body language. Like, look in mm -hmm. here, this is like they're thinking about building the fort. This is yeah, like early spring. summer. It's like late spring, yeah. early summer. Yeah. And they're like laying back on the leaves. They're like, this is cool. We've got somewhere to hang out. We yeah. found our ladder. What are we going to do like with the summer? But then once we get into winter, like just the talking stops. Yeah, everyone's just, gone home. There's nothing there but the log. And it's got snow on it. And it's kind of the silent. And then the music starts again, the cricket starts playing some music and we move back towards spring. I like it lots. Yeah, me too. The chapter book for this episode is The Giants and the Joneses by Julia Donaldson, who you probably know from The Gruffalo, The Snail and the Whale and Rim on the Broom. This is one I remember from childhood. Were you at all acquainted with it until I gave it to you? Nope, not at all. Okay. This is just like a simple, well-told story that's not like feeling the need to try and do anything beyond just tell this story well, and that's great. Okay, would you like to summarise the plot? Yes, I'd Try not to. to spoil the ending. I'm not going to spoil the ending. We start in giant land and mum giant reading a story to her daughter. Jumbelia. Who is really the idea of igliplops, little people. And basically the story she's being read is Jack and the Beanstalk, yeah. which was is one of her favourites. And her mum's like, ah, this book's really not cool. Like, there's yeah. a lot of really problematic things in this book. Like, so, like someone dies in this, and, like, it's definitely, like, the Iggy Plop's fault, and that seems to be <laughs> celebrated, and, like, cool, whatever, it's a favourite book. And then we skip to, like, the human world, where there's some siblings playing in the garden, and we have two sisters and a brother, so the, the youngest one, little girl, Poppy, yep. who is uh, kind of reads as like very Toddler. young. Stephen and Colette. Yes, I think uh, Colette's the eldest. I think so, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's not specified, is it? But they're kind of, they're probably sort of more like round nine or ten or yeah. so. Um, and yeah, so basically, Jumbelia has a box of beans. Bimples. Bimples. <laughs> um. It's so great to have a translator here. <laughs> um, and she sneaks off to the edge of giant land. Which is called Groil. Yes, <laughs> that's also true. And she goes over the wall mm -hmm. of Groil, which is kind of like it's a city state, right? Yeah. But like in the clouds. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's like this edge land, which I love the description of the edge yeah. land because it reminded me of like round St. Mary's Lighthouse, yeah. which for anyone who's not from the northeast is like up on the Northumberland coast, sort of just north of Newcastle. And there's like a lighthouse and it's all kind of rocky. And if you go at the right time, kind of misty. And mm. one of these where like, depending where the tide is, you can get out to it or not. You can walk not. out or not, yeah. Um, and so you could get stuck as well. Yeah. And like the way the edge lands described, it's like you're beyond the wall and there's this 
indeterminate amount of width before like and it's all misty and rocky mm. and slippy and at some point the mist stops becoming mist above the ground and it's just clouds and you fall yeah. off the edge yeah and so Jambelia's playing out there and yeah so she's got a box of beans and she's like well if I throw enough beans over the edge like we're gonna get some bean stalks right yeah. and then I can go and like Climb down the bimple stonk to see the iggly plops. And collect stuff, which is a massive thing. So collect's always like, whether it's like buttons or marbles or like snails in the garden. Stamps. Stamps. Um, and Jambelia is the same. She yeah. collects stuff. So Jambelia throws her beans. She does get a beanstalk. She goes down and she's like, ah, oh, cool, loads of like cool playthings. Yeah, and like harvests yeah. um, <laughs> these siblings amongst some other stuff. There's a sheep. There's an iggly bleb that goes in yeah. there. Little sheep. <laughs> A little um, post box. A little pobo that goes in. Yeah. The lawnmower, strimp chogger. The strimp chogger goes <laughs> in there, yeah. Like electric, like dad's prize yeah. electric lawnmower. And they um, just all go in her pocket. In a, like a sack, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a little sack. And she climbs back up and she's got a little doll's house and there's some like plastic toys and mm. she puts them in with the plastic toys. And they're like, oh my God, this guy's going <laughs> to eat us. And she's not, she's just like kissing them and, yeah. and all the rest of it. And then it becomes this weird kind of Stockholm syndrome thing where it's like she's captured them, but like if her mum finds them, she's going to flush them down the toilet. Yeah. Right. So it's like they're kind of safe with Jumbelia to yeah. some extent. And then it's just the story of them trying to escape. Meanwhile, you've got Throg, who is a giant who's like this older guy. Uh, what do they call him? A Rupley. Rupee, rupee poopy plop. A rupee poopy plop. A poor, yeah. a poor, yeah, poor old, old man. Poor old man. Poor yeah. old person. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and he's like a conspiracy theorist who's yeah. like, the ugly plops are coming back and there's going to be an army and they're going to take us over. And so he does like patrols and he's always like harassing the police station and yeah. be like, you need to be doing more about this. And they're like, shut up, we've got a job to do. <laughs> Giants don't believe in the ugly plops apart from Jumbelia. Yeah. It's an important plot point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although her brother... Zab, when he finds them, yeah. I guess it's just like, ah, oh, cool, little moving things yeah. that I can torture and stuff because yeah. he's all. Oh, kind Zab of is awful, isn't he? He's like the he's like that kid out of Toy Story who like sets fire to the toys in yeah. the garden. He's yeah. so Zab steals Stephen, Colette, and Poppy off of Jumbelia and tortures them. Yeah, like puts them in the bath, and makes them swim, makes them like fight giant insects yeah which is was the most horrifying bit of the whole yeah. book because the chapter starts with a picture of a wasp in a jar yeah. so i was like oh my god no because <laughs> that's already got me this point yeah. like, oh, jesus that's gonna put them in that jar with that wasp and he puts yeah he puts steven in and yeah. gives him like a little pin and then starts going crag craggle 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 kill 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 yeah. and he's like made to like fight this wasp to the death and it's this like it's interesting as well that it's like it's Stephen that he gets to fight stuff. It's mm. like it's quite like your your his uh, informal recurring segment, the gender the, talk, the gender, <laughs> the gender bit. Yeah, and it's got I mean it's got that going on like Zab the male sibling makes Stephen the male sibling fight stuff in a jar. But also gets... Stephen's like that in these like masculine like Boy Scout ways is depicted in a way is like so much more competent like oh he's the one who can fight the wasp he's the one who knows the special knots and you know he's the one who's really good at swimming like he's yeah. given all of these outdoorsy yeah. traits yeah that's true actually 
But it is, I mean, it's it's outdoorsy versus indoorsy, isn't it? Yeah. And it's big versus small. It's There's done. a really interesting arc for Stephen, isn't yeah. there? Yeah. Because he kind of softens through that as well, I think. Yeah, so Stephen, we open the Joneses part of the book on Stephen being horrible to Colette about her collections. Yeah. He is really not kind to his sisters, but then he takes on this like very, I guess, healthy masculine trait of like the protector. Yeah. He becomes really responsible for them. Um, so anyway, Zab's yeah. crackers. Jambelia manages to get Poppy back off him by doing a sweep swoof. Oh yeah, which is a swap. A swap C. Yeah. yeah, so she swaps one iggly shrimp chugger for one iggly plop. And if you can't remember, a shrimp <laughs> chugger is a lawnmower. That's right. A chugger that chugs shrimp. So yeah, all of this is going on. And meanwhile, Throg is kind of like crawling around like a self-appointed like maverick police yeah. officer trying to like suss like he knows something's going on and throg finds the beanstalk yeah and douses it in weed killer yeah which means that Escape the plops don't have yeah. a way down anymore and i think that's as far as we should go yes yeah so it's two stories it's the story of jambelia and her family with her brother zab and her mum, who is with child who is going to have a new Bobalili soon. Yeah. Um, and it's a story of the Joneses, Colette, Stephen, and Poppy, who are in this horror film. It's very neat. It's very well structured. It's very tied together. In a way that's quite satisfying. It doesn't feel formulaic. Mm. It just feels tidy and well yeah. thought through. Yeah. yeah. It's something you wouldn't get away with in an adult book, I don't think, it being that neat. Yeah, like, that's true. That's possibly true, actually. Yeah. You know, you go, oh, that's a bit easy. Yeah. It's exactly, I mean, it's a, it's a retelling of a fairy story, yeah. isn't it? It's so a really it, good retelling of Jack and the Beanstalk. Yeah. So it's got that easiness and that simpleness of morality up to a point and yeah. then a slight tweaking and yes. twisting of that. There's just enough of that, isn't there? Because Jumbelia should be the bad guy. She came down and she reaped them yeah. and put them in her bag and kept them as toys, but she's not. No. She's just she's just like Colette. And if Colette found little iggly tiny people, mm. probably she would put them in her doll's house too. Yeah. There's really very little judgment of Jumbelia, even when she gets obsessed with her new collection of giant snails and forgets to feed. That Colette bit's and really Poppy. interesting. Because yeah. it's Colette who spots it. She's yeah. like I don't think she even vocalizes it, but no. it just gets you get an insight into her thought process. She was kind of scared that Jumbelia would forget that they need to eat and drink, yeah. or actually, moreover, scared that Jumbelia would forget that they exist yeah. and would move on. Because <laughs> she knows her, right? Yeah. She's like, that's exactly what I would do. I'd be yeah. like completely obsessed with these new toys for a bit, yeah. and then we'd come back in like four months and be like, oh, they're all dead. But this is the thing. So it's awful what happens to the kids, but it's not really framed as trauma, is it? It's... Yeah, but not far off. No. She doesn't shy away from that in the writing. Like the mm. bit where when Colette's nearly starving to death, they like they find Stephen again and Stephen's like, Oh, right, okay. Yeah. I can see your ribs. Yeah. It yeah, it gets it gets pretty real. Like mm. the danger is pretty real, but I think it's played at a really nice level. It is quite intense. Yeah. But it I think you all you always know it's going to work out. Yeah. Like it's one of like it's written in that way that there's it's no like, chance that like the children die. It comes pretty. They come like pretty it close. Teases you with it. It's a fairy story, but the like the levels of jeopardy that are played with. It's a well played level because I think it's a level that like even little kids would be 
yeah. fine with. Yeah, yeah. And the Japanese never held too long. I think that's no. the crucial bit, is that... Oh, it's very cleverly done, isn't it? So there's like a really scary bit, and then you go and hang out with Frog. Yeah. Or like Jumbelia or Zab. But yeah. it never it never plateaus at a high yeah. tension level for more than a few pages. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's very well balanced in that way. Yeah. So you were telling me the other day that you really liked the character of Frog. Do you want to talk about him? Oh, Throg. He's not a good man. No. He's basically like... <sighs> he's a lonely old bloke, isn't he? And his backstory is gorgeous. And I don't know how much of that I should sort of talk about because it's a really nice character introduction point part of the way through. But it's kind of explained, like, why he is the way he is from some kind of childhood experiences. Yeah, why he's so very anti-iggly plop. Yeah, and is just kind of... what is a character who's essentially harmless. Mm. Well, no, 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 no. <laughs> right, but on a day-to-day -day level in the world in which he lives, everyone's just like, oh, poor old man. Yeah. Like, he's just sort of so caught up on this idea. Like, probably people treat him in the way that people shouldn't but often do treat like senile people. Whereas Throg's very much like, no, 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 like there's a war coming, yeah. right? Like this is really serious, but is like not at all equipped to deal with that. Like he yeah. thinks he is, but is, is basically harmless until he crosses the path of a series of events yeah. and then stumbles clumsily through that, yeah. doing what he thinks is best yeah. and then kind of, sort of inadvertently wreaks a load of havoc yeah. for people that he doesn't even know. He's a very he's a very sweet man and he's very misguided. And he's, he's patriotic is what he is. He's the old American war vet sitting on his front stoop with a shotgun Waving across his, shotgun his lap. Around. Yeah, that's who he is. Frog just goes round shouting at people. Have you seen any eggly plops today? Yeah. And then he's really cleverly. He's clever, yeah, he's cunning. Yeah. yeah. He's like, how many iggly plops have you seen? Yeah, and he catches people out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I'm going to change this up a bit. <laughs> I I really felt for Throg. And it's a really interesting character arc because he's threaded throughout the whole story and is part of the resolution, as you know, is a, as is inevitable because he's the reason for the cutoff of escape. So he's all bound up in that. And he doesn't. He doesn't quite resolve. There's not a kind of like, oh, and then th you know, Throg was changed for the better. No, there isn't. No. Throg. Throg stays Throg. Throg retains his value system and his beliefs in general. He just makes an exception. So yeah, I mean, we've linked these two books together. The link there is language, isn't it? Yeah. Made of language. Poppy still just learning to learn English. Yeah. There's then a bit where the giants have Poppy in a cage. Poppy's kind of being trapped like a parakeet almost. Yeah. And the dad giant has just had a baby and so is in love with the world. Yeah. And is kind of talking to this iggly plop and, and realizing that it's a baby iggly plop. And yeah. so feels this connection. He feels really to tender it. to her, doesn't he? Yeah. And then, yeah, it becomes quite important at the end that it transpires that after this experience, Poppy becomes instrumental in, yeah. in the ending because she's been able to learn Groylish. Yeah. Like, she becomes as fluent in Groylish, basically, mm. as she is in English. Yeah. Um, if not more so. Like, she's making more complex sentences That's true. Yeah, yeah. What do you think she's going to do when she comes back to the land of the Iggly Plops? She's going to be like, shrimp chugger, 
Pecky's Bratchkin. <laughs> well, that's interesting, isn't it? Because you probably grow out of it. Well, and people think, oh, it's baby talk. Yeah. Yeah. The language is really great. Most of them aren't explained, the words. They're just used as if they were English words when you're in the parts of the story that are about the giants. Yeah. So, you know, like Midge, the mum, is talking about like how she feels about the Bobalili yeah, and yeah. what she might call it. And it's yeah. not explained. You can flip to the back and read what it is in the little dictionary, but you can get it from context. Um, they did translate uh, Throg's songs, though. I really love Throg's yes. songs. What did you think of them? I love Throg's songs. And they did need translating. <laughs> they did. But what I loved in that was that they had like a rhyme scheme and a rhythm. A rumpoche glay glay, a rumpoche glay. Oh, frickily, frickily, bimple stonk, eel craggleoy, fister flay. Which is around the land I, I go, go, I go, go around the, the land, land I go. go. Oh, horrible, horrible beanstalk, I will kill you soon. Yeah, and that, what I, I love that like the rhyme scheme doesn't fit in English. Yeah, it like, fits it's, in Groilish. It's written in Groilish. Yeah. I really, really liked the relationship between Stephen and Colette, actually. Though. Yeah, and the way it grows yeah. is really, really interesting. Yeah. And their time apart being so important mm -hmm. in that relationship growing. Yeah. Because Stephen really doesn't get that collector thing. No. No, he really uh, mocks I mean, her for it. Like, even when the, like, they're preparing their escape and... Colette's like, look at all this cool stuff we've got. This will come in useful. And yeah. he's like, I mean, sure. Like the, like, I, I forget what he says is useful, but he's like, yeah, like that, like the rope could be great, but what, what are we going to do feathers? with feathers? Yeah. <laughs> like, and she's like, oh, but Poppy really loves feathers. Yeah, <laughs> that's the one. Where, yeah, because there's a couple of where she was just like defends herself yeah. and she's like, no, no, that could be useful. And he's like the feathers, and she's like, yeah, but they're pretty. <laughs> And did you, what did you think about the perspective on the Iggly Blebber at the end? So the sheep, for those of you not fluent in Groilish. Oh, without kind of ruining the ending. I mean, the... Well, we, okay, we all know they're going to escape, right? No, you know that from, you've ruined you know, it. You know that from the first page, you know. We've said it. We, we're not uh, going to say how they escape. Sure. We know that it's an escape story that's leading toward these children getting back to safety. But um, don't ruin the ending of Throgs. No, no, I'm not. Throgs um, uh, through life. So there is a question of whether or not the Iggly Blebber should come with them, the little sheep, <laughs> dirty, smelly, confused sheep that got scooped up with them and that we thought had been flushed down the toilet. Um, there's a question of whether it should come with them. And Stephen goes, well, think about it, Poppy. You know, what happens to sheep in our world? We eat them. <laughs> oh, that's true, yeah. yeah it might yeah. actually have a better time here. Put yourself in the shoes of the sheep. I think the sheep's, like, the sheep is quite an interesting character because yeah. he's he's always there. And I get this, yeah, this constant sense from the sheep that, like, <laughs> there is quite a lot of character in there, I guess, but it's just sort of like, ah, sure. Yeah. yeah of yeah. course, now this is happening. What a great. Well, and it likes the giant grass. It makes no difference to it eating little grass or eating yeah, big grass. Like he's, he's, <laughs> he's totally happy wherever. Just like leave yeah. me and like be here and eat some grass. That's what I do. Like stop picking me up and putting me in things and putting me in new places and just just stop it. Stop it. I don't care. I don't think the blebber cares whether no. they live wherever. It's just like please. 
just let me eat some grass yeah. and like and he just like every time you see him he's a bit more disheveled like he's yeah. had his horns broken and he's a bit more grubby and it's not smelly. like it's not yeah. totally explicit but you can just imagine like the light behind its eyes getting dimmer and dimmer <laughs> just like jesus what is what is this day but it's another um it's like girl of his travels again isn't it like the children the little children notice that the that the that Barlam is getting more and more dishevelled, but the giants just think it's this cute little fluffy thing. Yeah. They don't see the detail that it's yeah, getting yeah. grubbier, that its horn is broken. It's a, it's an object to them. Uh, it's conception is about playing with perception, yeah. isn't it? Because it's switching the switching. It's the all about perspective. Read it to a set of siblings. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Great. Because the the communal thing yeah. of the language. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think that's it for this week. I think so. Yeah. Um, so that was episode three of Even the Trunchbull. Thanks for listening. Once again, if you've any thoughts on the books that you loved as a kid. Or love now as a kid. Let us know or ask a grown-up to let us know. We're at eventhetrunchbull at gmail.com or on Twitter at, at trunchbullpod. The intro music for this episode and every episode is What a Wonderful Day by Shane Ivers. And remember, kids' books can be for everyone because we've all been kids. Even, Even the, the trunch pole. Ta-ta!